Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Healthy Matters, presented by Hennepin Healthcare, a network of neighborhood clinics, specialty centers, hospital, and Minnesota's Level 1 Adult and Pediatric Trauma Center. Please remember we can only give general medical advice during the program and every case is unique. We urge you to consult with your personal physician if you have health concerns. Now, here's Denny Law with your host, Dr. David Hilden, internal medicine physician with Hennepin Healthcare with more Healthy Matters. Hey, good morning. Welcome to this edition of Healthy Matters. We're around, by the way, if you're visiting and... uh New to the show, we're uh, we've been around for how many years now, Doctor? Ten, ten years, Danny. Wow. So we're we're about to. That's I appreciate you bringing that up. We are about to end our tenth year. So I, what does that make it? Our eleventh birthday. But we you know we we spent this uh, this year sort of celebrating ten years on the air. All right, boy. Yeah. When I met you ten years ago, remember, do you remember that I came here and and, and you and I you and I chatted? Um, yeah. We uh, we did some practice runs here at the WCCO studios. That was... And I told my bosses, this guy's good. He's uh, the one. Oh, well, and, uh, and the first the first time ever or since they listened. They to listened me. to you. <laughs> I appreciate it, Denny. You got me my start. <laughs> it always takes somebody to stand up for you. I didn't know what I was doing, and I don't know if it's any better wow. now, but it has been 10 years. That's amazing. And of doing the show, it's been a great 10 years. So in 2019, we'll start our 11th year. Hey, we're going to do an open line show, yeah. and we're going to answer your phone calls, listeners. But I, I wanted to say a couple things about some health care in the news. I was down in uh, visiting my father-in-law this past week, and they brought us a little salad. And the salads were like 20 minutes late. Uh, and, and he said, I'm sorry, uh, we, had to, we had to delay your salad. We had to throw out all the romaine lettuce. And we had to replace it with some other kind of lettuce. That brought me to thinking about the romaine lettuce uh, recall of 2018. If you remember, listeners, back last spring there was a romaine lettuce recall because people That's were right. getting sick. And it's out there again. And, um, and I thought I'd just say a word about that. If you... What what is the bug that romaine lettuce had? It's not specific to to lettuce. It can be in anything. It can be in any food, any meat, any any food product, anything. It can be in water. Um, and it's, it's can it e. be coli. on hard surfaces? It, it can be yeah, and it can live on hard surfaces okay. for a little while. So if your romaine lettuce touches your, you know, your plate or whatever, even if you don't eat the lettuce, it's an E. coli. And E. coli is a bacteria that is everywhere. In fact, it is in the intestines of all of you. Mm. Everybody's got E. coli. There's hundreds of strains of it, though, and a couple of them cause you to be ill. So that's what the romaine lettuce thing was about. Fortunately, most people just get a diarrheal illness that goes away. And, um, and, but for some, especially the very young and the very old, E. coli infections with this strain, which is usually entitled O157, can be quite serious and even lead to kidney failure. So if you get a diarrheal illness, uh, maybe one, two, three, two or three days um, after eating romaine lettuce, 
you might want to have that checked out. You do not need antibiotics for this, however. That's maybe a little counterintuitive. But you don't need antibiotics for this romaine lettuce um, E. coli. In fact, antibiotics can make it worse. Mm. It makes it worse. So that's that story. The other one I just want to remind people, it's getting late. To You should get your flu shot. I know I, you should have got it a month ago, but it's not too late. You can get it all the way up into the January, February, March, but you should get it now. And remember, it's not just for you. You get the flu shot to protect your grandmother and your spouse and your grandchildren. So if you have not had your flu shot, and particularly if you are around older people or very young, you need to get your flu shot. It's not just for you. It's to protect others. That's my two messages for the, for the day. And they're good messages, too. By the way, if you're just joining us, it's an open line show, which means uh, your phone calls and text messages will drive the show. 651-989-9226. I see a line open if you'd like to fill it. 651-989-9226. Uh, or the text number. We're getting a bunch of those already at 81807. Let's go to the phones, doctor. Uh, is it uh, Miller? Uh, Miller's on the first line. Good morning. What can we do for Good you? Good morning. About 40 years ago, I had my colon removed, and I got a ileoanal reservoir. I guess they call it J-pouch now. But I always, after that, I got so cold. And I'm a retired electrician, and 15 years ago, I got a pretty good shock. It went in one hand, went through my body, and went out the other hand. And my hands have been so cold since then. I have asked my doctors and the surgeons, well, they don't know why it is. But I have to almost wear gloves all the time because my hands are so cold. Could you maybe tell me the reason or another way I could stay warm besides wearing gloves all the time? Before you go, now, first of all, as for the um, your colon, have you been cold since for 40 years since your colon surgery, or has it been since the electric incident? Well, my body has been cold since uh, um, I had the colon removed, but... Since I've had the electrical shock, my hands have been colder in there. I don't even dare shake hands with people. Okay, I got it. So th- those, I have to say, are really um, perplexing to me. Mm. They're really perplexing. And, I, and I'm, I'll apologize in advance, Miller, for, not, for maybe not being ha- able to have a good answer. I think it's almost certainly unlikely to anything with your colon. Um, I, 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 that seems to me more coincidental if nothing else your colon is important as it is and all the jobs it has doesn't have a huge job in regulating your heat except in that it does your colon manages your water in your body so i'm really putting a long stretch on this one but it does manage the water that comes and goes of your body your colon absorbs water from your food and and the water that you ingest if, if for some reason that were to lead to some uh, volume problems, volume meaning fluid problems. But I think that that's unlikely. I think it, your colon issue, I'm having a hard time blaming on it. The electrical issue is intriguing. It reminds me of a day when I used to do safety checks on electrical equipment at, at Abbott Northwestern Hospital here mm. in Minneapolis. And I remember I had my a machine plugged into the wall. The plug clearly was not safe. It was my job to test it. But the plug came off and my fingers were holding the metal tabs that were still in the wall. And I got one of those little shocks in my hand. But as an electrician, you've probably experienced that more than me, and it went all the way through your body. An electrical shock to your body is, other than the burn on your skin, is mostly a problem with your heart and the rhythms in your heart. I'm also having a hard time linking you're being cold to that if however there were some 
damage to the nerves of your body, particularly the autonomic nervous system that controls your temperature regulation, I suppose that could have done it with the electrical thing. And so the nerves to your hands um, got a little fried, literally, I guess, literally fried. But I'm I'm having a hard time actually making that connection too. So I'm... So that's why I apologized in advance. I don't think I have a great answer to that. What is maybe more likely is that, um, especially for being cold, is that you have uh, some kind of endocrine problem, some hormonal problem that might be unrelated to those events of your life. I would see an endocrinologist for that, and particularly to have your thyroid examined. Your thyroid is sort of the thermostat of your body, and I would have that part checked out. As for the your hands and they're cold, you might see a neurologist for that and they could do some nerve studies to see if that electrical shock caused some kind of uh, nerve damage. So yeah. Those are my suggestions. All right. 651-989-9226. Text is 81807. Karen is calling us from Minnetonka. Karen, good morning. The doctor's listening. Good morning and thank you. This mm-hmm. is the last resort, last hope type question for you, Dr. Hilden. I wonder, what would be your last recommendation for a physical treatment for, non, for non-source peripheral neuropathy in my feet? Not a drug that I would take internally, but a physical treatment for the numbness. And it's going to be a question of whether or not I can drive anymore. I've had every test on the board. There's no source for it. So, Karen, before you move on from that point, so they have tested to see that you're a diabetic or that you've got some Correct. Other, yeah. I have nothing, like no source, it, it, no source for it. I've had every test, seen a rheumatologist. And it hurts so bad you couldn't drive, perhaps. There, it's not the hurt. It's that I, I, if something hurts, that's not comfortable. I can deal with it, but it's the numbness that causes me not to be able to drive safely. And then and my driving is on the line now. It's very frustrating. Karen, that does sound awfully frustrating. So we're going to think about things that are not tablets, not pills, not med- which is probably a good thing to do with neuropathies anyway. Um, well, let's think of the few things. You can do topical things. I would imagine that not a lot of those are going to work so well. But um, uh, I know people who swear by essential oils. There might be some oils that you can put on there to help. I'm going to Say right off the bat, it's not going to heal your damaged nerves, but insofar as that it might um, uh, soothe the numbness, that you could try some of that, some peppermint oil. Or I, I'm not an expert on that, so I don't know exactly what to, which specific one. But there, you could, you know, um, Google essential oils. Other things are I I think I would probably see a physical therapist, and you may be done this, um, to and and perhaps an occupational therapist. And um, talk about footwear things that will make it better for for you, because um, it might be more along the lines of preventing it from getting worse, um, uh, as opposed to making it better. But they could make sure that you're getting the correct stretching exercises, the correct um, foot massage type exercises. Maybe there's something with that, and and for sure the correct footwear. I think there is a. a this is invasive, but you might talk to a neurosurgeon or a podiatrist to see if there's any kind of um, nerves that are getting pinched or nerves that are getting uh, inflamed somehow, um, you know, something with the anatomy of your foot. 
all of those, I have to say, everything I've just said, I don't think anything is going to reverse reverse what you already have, but might be meant to more prevent things from getting worse. Um, I'm sorry, Karen, that's a tough one because you've gone through all the tests, um, and especially since you don't have a cause. Uh, and I would that is what I would have said. I would have said, you know, find the cause. Go and get more tests because if it's a pinched nerve in your back, you can have that fixed by a neurosurgeon. And, or if it's due to your some other diabetes or something, you can do some treatments for that. Those are some things I would try. I'm sorry I don't have much more than that, but um, uh, best wishes to you. That, those are some suggestions, I guess. All right. Thanks, Karen. Uh, we need to take a break. We have more show to come if you have a question, any kind of a general health question for Dr. Hilden, 651-989-9226. And there is a line open if you want to use it. Jan, you'll be next. Uh, or send a text if that's easier, 81807. And welcome back to Healthy Matters this Sunday morning. Uh, you're driving the show in with an open line show, 651-989-9226. Text is 81807. Here again is Dr. Hilden. So I want to just a couple yeah. more comments about Karen's question about sure. neuropathy that I've been thinking about during the break. Karen, you might try for your peripheral neuropathy, you might try acupuncture, Uh we have plenty of them at, at Hennepin Healthcare, and that has been shown um, for reasons that escape me, but um, but has been shown to be helpful for some neurologic problems. The texter line is lighting up about other people's ideas. Um, somebody's suggesting celiac disease, but you said that's true. But you said you've had all the workup done, so but it's the thing to look at is celiac disease. And here's another comment that's good. I wonder if this person has seen an occupational therapist before. The comment says. Um, if you're concerned about driving, you can consider driving with hand controls. Oh, okay. And I think that is a, a great idea. Thank you for that texture. Even if your neuropathy doesn't get better and you can't drive, you can get hand controls on your vehicle. That's a great idea as well. All right. Uh, let's go to Mankato. Jan has been waiting there to ask you a question. Go ahead, Jan. Thank you. Hello. Our 50-year-old son, who is healthy in every other way, he's not overweight or anything, is going to need both of his hips replaced. Is it better to do one hip at a time or both at the same time? Probably one at a time, Jan, uh, especially for hips. In fact, I'm not sure surgeons will do two at, at once. I do know a few people who have done both knees at the same time, but even with knees, it's generally one at a time. Um, so if your surgeon is saying it's okay to go either way, I would still probably do just one at a time. The rehab is a big deal. And with hip surgery, but it's a it's a big deal only for a little while, and then people do really well. Hip surgeries are very successful types of surgeries, so your son can get better, and he'll he'll be just like new on the one side, which will make it easier to get the second one done at a later time. Now, I I have to qualify that I'm not a surgeon. Uh, I would always um, carefully consider the advice of your surgeon, but I think one at a time is probably the better way to go. 651-989-9226. Text is 81807. Let's see who's next. Chris in Springfield. Chris, you're on CCO. Good morning. Morning. I, good morning. Uh, I suffer from chronic lower back pain. I have had two microdisectomies already, 12 months apart. Um, had a prior surgery for the same 10 years prior. They wanted to do a triple fusion and I'm just wondering if there's any other options besides fusions out there that a person should look at or consider. Chris, what, what, are your, what are your main symptoms that you're still having? Um, I have severe pain down both legs. The nerve goes all the way to the, the feet, essentially. 
uh, disability. Once sitting for long durations, I have a hard time even getting up to walk. Yeah. Um, that You seem to be one of the folks for whom the surgeries aren't, maybe they're helping only for a temporary period of time. And a fusion's a bigger deal than a disectomy or a laminectomy or some of the smaller surgeries um, uh, that they do. I would, if I were you and could, I would try to exhaust other possibilities before doing it. Um, because uh, uh, when you go to your surgeons, um, rightfully so, they're saying, well, that we did the first step, here's the next step, and here's the next step. There are a progression of, of, of more and more surgeries that you can do. But I think it's at least a healthy thing to do to just pause and say, is any surgery the best thing to do? Be, um, the other, or am I just going to get in a cycle of more and more and more? It may well be that a fusion will relieve your symptoms the best, but it will lead to some stiffer back, and you'll have, you know, your back is meant to be very flexible. Maybe you're beyond the point in your life when you can have a flexible back, so a surgery um, with a fusion might be an option. But like the other caller with the feet, I think I would exhaust other things first. I would try a physical therapist. You've probably done all this, but I, but I would go back to a physical therapist, maybe go to a different one, maybe go to one who's a little more sports-related, who deals with that kind of stuff. Uh, I would consider acupuncture. I would consider um, uh, even medications if you need to to try to alleviate your pain for a while, you know, for a few years. A while meaning a few years. Maybe there's something such a you know that could relieve the pain a little bit. And if none of those help, then I would then I would perhaps go to um, get your surgery. What I also would recommend, kind of maybe strongly, is get a second opinion um, because. Uh, uh, I, I, I'm not trying to call into question your surgeon's motives. They're offering you the next thing, and they're probably correct that that is the next surgery that would help your problem. But I might get a second opinion just to see if they have anything else to offer. A texter says, help, cold weather here again, and so are the splits in the skin on the sides of my fingernails. Uh, just can't go around with Band-Aids at all of my fingers. Anything I can do, boy, it's, I can relate to that. I, I can picture this person with Band-Aids around I've done their that. Have you really? Oh, yeah. In fact, you and I were talking about this is many years ago. I bought a product, and I think you can get a, 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 a what would you call it? Not a generic, a, generic a, a, a house brand, a, a certain Walgreens or CVS brand of Aquaphor. Aquaphor, yeah. And it's a hand, it's a, uh, it's not a cream. It's it's almost like a Vaseline kind of thing. Right. Boy, it, does that work? It's more of an ointment. It's an ointment. So and that's what I would suggest to this texture. You've got probably, and, and it can get bad if your fingernails crack around the sides of them and the yes, skin yes, cracks yes. and breaks open. You can get bacteria in there. It can get inf- inflammation and you can get a big swollen finger, a condition called peronychia. Hmm. Um, and so uh, I agree. What you should do for this person is use a, a, a barrier type of moisturizer. Think of um, petroleum jelly. Yeah, yeah. That's more the consistency. And, and at hospitals, we use things like Aquaphor. That's a brand name. Mm-hmm. But it's more uh, – it has that barrier quality with moisturizers in there. Some people do this. They put that stuff on and then they put on some – uh, a pair of like socks, athletic mm-hmm. socks, and sleep at night That's right. with socks on your hands after you've slathered on some of that mm-hmm. heavy-duty stuff. A little lotion isn't going to help. Oh, I, well, it'll help, but uh, but you have to be even more. A thicker, you know, in, in, in skin care, it goes from lotions, which are more watery, to creams, which are thicker, more toothpaste all the way to these um, ointments, which are more like petroleum jelly. Go, f- go for something that says ointment on it. Um, and uh, that's a that's what I would suggest doing. And and I do I'm not kidding. Put put an old pair of athletic socks 
sure. on your hands at night to keep it just in there so it doesn't get all over the bed linens. Right. Slather that stuff on. See if that doesn't help. All right. Uh, I'll tell you what, let's get Bill and Bloomington's questions uh, at least asked. And uh, if uh, we run out of time, we'll answer more of it uh, after the break. Bill, what is your question, please? Hey, first of all, hey, doctor, thanks for 10 years. That's great. That's a super, super thing and a good service for all of us here in Minnesota. Appreciate Bill, thank it. you so much for saying that. Thanks a lot, Bill. I have uh, I have numbness on the bottom of my feet. I went swimming, uh, felt bad. Something was different. I went swimming. I blew it off. I went swimming again. Same feeling. And now it's it doesn't no pain, just numbness. What do you think that might be? is? Is your skin intact on your feet? Yes. And it's only after swimming. No, no, it's all the time. Oh, you and have that's when, I, that's, that's when I noticed it. Oh, yeah, and it's probably the water and the change in temperature or something is... uh, Exactly. The rest of my body felt different. Yeah, yeah, it's probably something like that. Now, I would again suggest to you, Bill, first of all, there you need to find the causes of neuropathy, and sometimes it's a pinched nerve. Sometimes it's what we call like a neuroma, which is a nerve sheath swelling on your feet. Um, And I think that it feels weirder after swimming, just the cold water, the temperature change on the bottom of your feet is is kind of um, perking up those nerves. I would see a foot person to see if it's any of those nerve problems. uh, Of course, make sure you don't have vitamin deficiencies or diabetes. Um, Diabetes would be the number one cause of neuropathy in this country. So make sure those are the case as well. And then good footwear, good footwear, good footwear, good footwear. Make sure your shoes fit. They have the right kind of um, support for your arches of your feet. And then if, if all else fails, see a podiatrist. Okay. I know we have to take a break, but a reminder, we have another half hour of the show to go. Folks who did not get their question answered still have a chance. 651-989-9226. Or if it's easier, send us a text, at, and we'll pick up on those. 81807. 25 degrees in the Twin Cities. And welcome back to this portion of Healthy Matters. It's an open line show today, meaning you drive the show. Your questions for Dr. David Hilden by phone or by text. And as you can see, doctor, we have a bunch of both on this uh, holiday weekend. We, we do. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Yeah. I hope you, well, I hope you had a, uh, a, a, thank, or a peaceful and, yeah. and, and nice Thanksgiving and that you're all exercising now to get rid of all that food that you ate. And get that flu shot. And get your flu shot. It's all kinds of good stuff you should be doing now. I hope you got your flu shot, everybody. I was saying that at the top of the first half hour of the show. I I know a lot of people who say not inaccurately that, well, I never get the flu. But the point, yeah, I've also never died in a car accident, but I still put my seatbelt on just because it hasn't happened the first time. But, But even more importantly than yourself it is to protect the community. Vaccinations work the best. Well, they work really only at all when a, when the mass, the vast majority of people get them. So do it for the community. There's a thing going around the internet that says, "Do it for grandma. Get yeah. your flu shot for your grandmother." All right. So back to the phones we go. Lois is first up here in New Hope. Uh, Lois, the doctor's listening. Hi. Um, I had back surgery. This is a follow up on the. Um gentleman that called before. I had back surgery for the L4, L5S1 probably 15 years ago uh, with the rod put in. And uh, then they took the rod out because they thought it was rubbing against the soft tissue. Nothing has helped. It is better, better. But and that's 15 years ago. And I still exercise every day, morning and evening. It's not fun, but nobody else will do it for you. And I also suggest walking because that strengthens your legs. Uh, I could have surgery. It would be a 10-hour surgery at my age of 79. 
um, a year rehab if the surgery worked. So I just say I think most everybody that has a back issue continues to have, but just try, try and lessen it um, is my only suggestion. And I am on a pain program, which does help, um, so I can function because I still am a busy person, and I, I love life, but I need to uh, feel better. So um, thank you. Yeah. I hope the gentleman does exercise. Yeah. That is the best thing. Go to a physical therapist and get the correct exercise. Lois, I could have paid you to, to make that <laughs> phone call. That is exactly – I think that that is better advice than I could have given. Um, yeah, consider the surgery, but – but um, what's probably most important is what you've just said, physical therapy, exercise, walking every day. And the best line of that whole thing, the exercise line, no one else is no going to do, do it for you. you. That's right. So that's terrific advice. Thanks, Lois. Pat in Minneapolis is next on CCO. Go ahead, Pat. Question about pain program. Does that mean pills? Uh, not always. Um, uh, uh, comprehensive pain management programs um, – deal with a variety of what we call modalities. And so uh, um, sometimes it is pills. Sometimes it's medications. But very importantly, um, it's not just that. Um, when you're in a comprehensive type of pain program, it usually involves some kind of therapy, some kind of exercise. It sometimes even involves um, mood and kind of your your psychological health. Sometimes it involves acupuncture, massage therapy, physical occupational therapy, um, biofeedback therapy, and yes, pills. So uh, a pain pro- pain is a subjective feeling of an objective noxious stimuli. Noxious in medicine means bad, <laughs> evil, bad, noxious. Um, and so when you have a bad stimuli, like a burn on a hot stove, that's a noxious stimuli. Pain is your reaction to that. If you have chronic pain, people with chronic pain have real pain. They're experiencing that kind of over and over and over. And um, it's not just medications. One thing I would say about about uh, medications for pain is that rightfully and finally, we are as a medical community and as society as a whole starting to understand the long-term effects of pain medications. And when I'm saying pain medications, I mainly mean opioids, which are the um, the ones that arose from the poppy seed. Uh, the natural one is morphine, and now there's all the synthetic ones that you've heard about, like hydrocodone and oxycodone and fentanyl. These are dangerous in the long term um, and uh, for a variety of reasons that I won't get into now. So a pain management program must include not just pills. Very good. Let's see. Who is next? Jake is calling in from Faribault, Minnesota. Jake, you're on CCO. Good morning. Good morning, guys. Dr. Hilden, I was in the best hospital at HMC, and um, – I got a question. I had I was in the burn unit, but they put a uh, skin graft on my arm because I had compartment syndrome in my right arm, and they gave me a lotion that I can never replace. And now, after 15 years, it's starting to crack and peel. It started with an A, and it was a long slim white bottle. Was I'm it wondering. ammonium lactate? I bet it was. Okay. Are you looking for what it was? Yeah, I'm looking to where it was and if I can get it or where I can yeah, get it. Yeah, um, like I don't know what you were. I'm glad you um, were in our burn unit because they are among the best in the business. Um, ammonium, like am- ammonia, but um, A-M-M-O-N-I-U-M, lactate, L-A-C-T-A-T-E, ammonium lactate. It has some brand names. The one I can remember is Lachydrin. 
L. This is a brand name. I can't endorse any specific brand names, but it is. Um, uh, it's uh, the generic is ammonium lactate, but the the one of the brand name is L A C H Y D R I N. I think these are prescription only. I think I have written prescriptions for them, and they come in either tubes or sometimes they come in a big fat tub. Um, so you might try your medical provider to get a, a prescription from ammonium lactate. It's a thick barrier-based hydrating cream that a lot of the skin experts use. Um, so that's what I that's what I would try, Jake. Um, in the absence of that, um, I, there's a zillion people who have texted in, yeah. literally a zillion, um, about what they do for their cracked fingers. And I know that's not what you're talking about, Jake, but a lot of people have um, – Talked about some other brands. You know, I've heard about Utter Cream. I've heard about O'Keefe's. I've heard about Aquaphor. These are all brand names. But the key is that you get something that has a barrier to it, more of an ointment. But as for what you got in the hospital, I know we use ammonium lactate. Okay, very good. Uh, Let's go to St. Cloud, Minnesota. Nancy is there. Nancy, what is your question? No, I have a solution for the cracks on your fingernails. All right, what is it? Um, I just use... Actually, lip balm, chapstick, and just run that on there, and it sticks on it, and just do it a few times on and off during the day when you think of it, and it clears up very well for me. Nancy, I think that's a good idea. I, I like that mm-hmm. idea as well, because, and you should use it on your lips as well, mm-hmm. um, uh, especially in the winter yeah. uh, when things are really dry. But to put it around the edges of your fingernails makes perfect sense to me. I think that's a great idea. Thank you for that. And we get somebody. We have all these uh, tip, some home red, uh, remedies, but some uh, person uh, the cracks in the fingers they put super glue. Super glue. Oh, there it is on the text line. <laughs> don't don't you medical people do have some kind of a liquid bandage? Yeah, we have, we use super glue. It's not super glue, but yeah. it, it's a similar deal. Where for instead of sutures, we sometimes glue skin together. I don't know if is there some chemical in super glue that we I think we probably use medical grade super glue. I doubt they go down to their local hardware store and get that. Um, we have so many texts I, about I, crack fingers. There, there, there's more than I can read. Thank you to everybody um, um, who have uh, uh, texted in about this. Um, several have said nail glue, so maybe fingernail glue is the finger nail glue. You know where you put on nails is better than going down to your hardware store and getting the super glue. Okay. All right. We have, should we go? Uh, yeah. Let's go back to the phone. Yeah. Brenda has been waiting uh, in Brainerd. Brenda, thank you. What is your question? Uh, yes. My daughter has a persistent Achilles tendon problems. She'll rest and then it'll get better. But then when she starts running again, it comes back. And I'm wondering about that thing that you put on your foot at night to stretch the Achilles tendon. Or any other suggestion you might have that would make her feel better. She has now switched shoes from um, Asics to I think it's Hoka or something like that. Right, right. On, on advice from her trainer, that seems that shoe seems to help. Um, but any suggestions you have would be okay, welcome. Okay, thanks for your call, Brenda. I'm not sure about the things at night to wear. Um, your I guess I, what, I, what I'm saying is I don't know the brands or what, specifically what to do, but your Achilles tendon, it is a stretching issue, so any way she can stretch it would be good. What I would recommend is making sure that she stretches it when it's warm. We used to, for those athletes who are listening, remember those days when you'd get out before your soccer game or your football game or your baseball game, you'd spend a half an hour stretching and it would be cold. 
And that's now found to be probably not such the way. To, you're, you're on a cold, tight muscle in the tendon. So now they have you do more movement and you get loosened up and runners even jog for a mile before they even stretch. Um, but once your muscles are warmed and your tendons and ligaments are all kind of loosened up, that's the time to stretch. I bet your daughter already does that, however. I'd strongly recommend post-exercise stretching regimen. And this is one of those do what I say, not what I do. I'm a runner, and my wife always says she's more of a stretchy type of person. She always says, well, did you stretch after you run? And I always say no <laughs> because, I don't know, I, I just I lose patience with it. Um, so that's <laughs> – but it's still the right bit of advice. After exercising, longer stretches, not just like 10 seconds of grabbing your shoelaces and stretching your quads. Um, I would do um, stretches after and stretch each Achilles um, tendon. For You mentioned shoes. I think that that is um, – she, if she has a trainer or a shoe expert, that would be for a runner or an athlete if that's what she's doing. The, probably the second most important thing, maybe the first most important thing is to have well-fitting shoes with the right amount of pronation and the right amount of supination so you don't stretch your Achilles tendons in weird ways. As for the the boot to wear at night or the Achilles stretcher, I, I, I'm going to not give any specific advice on that because I just don't know. I, I would see a sports-related um, physical therapist, a sports-related physician or somebody um, uh, who could give you that advice. It makes a little bit of sense to me, but I don't want to give you bad advice. I'm a little hesitant to do anything that puts your foot into a specific position and leaves it there. And you know, uh, Immobilizing the foot never seems like a great idea in, in an active person, but see a physical therapist on okay. that. Let's take a quick break, Doctor. We'll have more show to come. It's an open-line show today here on Healthy Matters. Overcast here in the Twin Cities. Our CCO temperature reading 24. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to Healthy Matters. It's an open line show today, and I know, Dr. Hilden, you have a lot of text messages that we'd like to Indeed. answer. Indeed, Danny. I'll try to go quickly through some of these. Um, let's see. Uh, how much Lasix per day is too much from the text line? Lasix is a diuretic or otherwise known as a water pill given for things like heart failure, um, other conditions where you have too much fluid in your body. There's not really an upper limit of the dose of Lasix, but there are side effects. Um, uh, so what we generally do is find the lowest effective dose that works and um, that makes you urinate a lot. That's the goal. And stick with that. When you get to very high doses, you can have things um, – you can get a lot of electrolyte problems. Um, uh, and you can even get problems with your ears. It can cause deafness. But um, I have people on a couple, couple 300 milligrams a day, which is a lot. Um, and so I don't know how much the texture's on, but uh, talk to your doctor that prescribes it. Here's one that says, what do you think of CBD hemp oil, mainly for pain relief and for lowering blood sugars? That's from Jim. CBD is a canna- cannabidiol. It is one of the substances in hemp, the same plant that you, that you get marijuana from. But CBD is unlike um, marijuana, which has THC, which is something like tetrahydro. I don't know what it is. It's, it's, THC gets you high. Um, CBD is thought, it is thought to have a lot of the similar properties to the THC without getting you high, therefore being safe. And it's really promising. I don't have any medical evidence that it does anything, but that's just because there's a lack of medical evidence because no one studied it. It is thought to be reasonably good for seizures. It might help for some anxiety um, and it might help for things like pain and nausea and other things, but there's simply no data. One thing I think that is probably clear is that it is not harmful. It is probably not addictive. It is probably safe. 
but we just don't have any data. But I, I would I would put it in the promising category. Okay, let's go to another one. Um, another text line that says, "What are the possible causes of blood in semen?" I have no pain, and your analysis shows nothing. So um, I think it may. I hate the phrase it goes without saying because I'm going to say it. It's not normal, uh, and you should probably look into that. You can have a simple infection that is not in your urinary system but is more in your reproductive system. So you can have problems in your testes, in your epididymis. These are all male organs um, that are involved in reproductive health. Um, and it, it can be things from just non-infectious inflammation to blocked ducts. If nothing else, the male reproductive system is a bunch of duct work. Um, they can be blocked. It can be something in your testicles. It can be cancerous. And so um, in that last reason, it could be prostate or testicular or some other kind of cancer that you should have it looked at. And it might not show up in a urinalysis. So go to a urologist, a specialist in that kind of um, thing, a urologist. If you need one, Hennepin's got a great team of urologists. Um, that's where I practice in Minneapolis. Um, there's three or four of them that are all just outstanding. They can help you out. Okay, um, let's see. Let's go to another one. Here's someone that says, yes, only one hip at a time. I'm we re- had a call. Uh, we had a call the- earlier. Should you do them both at the same time? And I recommended one at a time, and this texter is in agreement with that. Do your hips one at a time in all likelihood. Um, Here's another text that says, why does a person have a hard time swallowing when they're eating? And then if they swallow, sometimes it comes back up like an acid reflex. What do you do about that? Um, Any type of swallowing problems ought to be seen by a gastroenterologist um, where they can do what we call swallow studies, um, either a radiologic procedure with x-rays or sometimes they put a camera down your throat. Probably one of the most common causes is indeed acid reflux. But there are other causes. You can get strictures or narrowing of your esophagus. You can get inflammatory conditions, esophagitis, which um, just irritates your esophagus, and so you try to swallow and it comes back up. You can have um, functional problems where the muscles of your esophagus just aren't working right. There's a condition called achalasia that does that. There's even a condition called nutcracker esophagus because it hurts so bad. Um, It hurts, hurts, hurts when you try to swallow. All of these are conditions that have some treatments for them. And if you're swallowing and it's coming back up, you ought to look and see what they are. So go see. Um, you can start with your primary care doctor, but the next step would probably be a gastroenterologist. Okay. What else do we have here? There's we a, still have so many about I'm trying, the cracked fingers. Uh, there's so many texts about cracked fingers that I'm trying to find um, – uh, <laughs> Um, some other issues, but you know, I do appreciate all of you. Um, I, I especially like this one from the person in the hair industry who has who has dealt with it for decades because because um, uh, has wet hands all day long and solved it with nail glue. So um, that's a good one to try. Oh, here's something that's a different one. My mother recently was diagnosed with lymphedema in her legs. Could acupuncture help? I think it might. What is that? Lymphedema is fluid that has leaked out of your lymph system. It is often um, uh, 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 due to um, what? What am I trying to say? The most common one is a woman who has had a mastectomy for breast cancer gets a swollen arm on that same side because they disrupted the lymph system in the lymph nodes, and your arm swells up. Um, it can happen in the legs as well, uh, and sometimes it's just in older people. So the the first thing I would th- try to do is find out the cause to see if there's anything that needs to be reversed. Uh, um, so go to your doctor for that. Acupuncture may or may not help for that. I'm not an expert at that, but I think it's possible. 
that it might. And so talk to your acupuncture therapist for that. We have have a minute to go. A minute. I probably don't have much more time here. Um, Here's a person that wants to know when to – I'll just paraphrase it. uh, Works two jobs, is 75 years old, and is getting tired at the end of every week, wants to know some tips about when to retire. Now, I know this isn't a retirement show, but I'd say if you there is medical evidence, however, that if you are in your work and you get meaning out of your work and it gives you purpose and something to do, that you might live longer. So um, I, you, age is just a number. Retire when, it, when your work is no longer financially needed and when it's no longer bringing your meaning, but you don't have to retire if you enjoy what you do. And if you need a primary care doc? Please check us out at Hennepin Healthcare. Our number is 612 873 6963, or I encourage you to check out myhealthymatters.org. Myhealthymatters.org. That's the website associated with the show. Myhealthymatters.org. See you back here next week. Thanks, Denny. Very good. Dr. David Hilden from Hennepin Health. We do hope you join us next week here on WCCO. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com.